You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And how is this possible? For God is a hidden God, Deus absconditus. And the more we seek to look upon his face, the more we seek to see his glory in the things he has made, the more we strive to rise toward him by the works of our hands and the strength of our mind, the farther we are from the knowledge and love of God. This is, for Luther, the anguish of the human being, anfectum. And it is an anguish not only of the mind, but of the hands and the heart. For we are called to love the holy and righteous one, to live holy and righteous as the one we love, to live in love for each other. And it is not what we do. William Cavanaugh, in his book, Being Consumed, tells the story of a mother and her daughter. The mother works in a factory in El Salvador making jackets for the Liz Claiborne clothing line. The jackets sell for $178 each in the United States. The workers who make them earn 70 cents, 77 cents per jacket or 56 cents an hour. On these wages, the mother is unable to feed herself and her daughter adequately. Her daughter, who is three years old, drinks coffee because they cannot afford milk. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I do not understand what I do, Paul says, for I do not do what I want, but what I hate, this I do. There is an anguish at the heart of things. About this, Luther was right. It is an anguish that stems from the distance of our hearts from God. Every one of us, when we are honest, knows this anguish. But it is not only personal, it's systemic. The world, Luther says, is bent on power or riches or happiness or pleasure or a life of ease. So it was in the days of the old pagans. Everyone made his God that which his heart was inclined toward, Luther says in the large catechism. So it is with us. Kavanaugh sets the story of the mother and her daughter who make our clothes while they faint with hunger in the context of the free market. They are paid what they are paid because this is what the market will bear. The market, the noted economist Milton Friedman says with approval, gives people what they want. It gives people what they want instead of what a particular group thinks they ought to want. It is precisely free. Free for what? Free for whatever we want. It is, Friedman notes, the first and greatest commandment of the capitalist economy that everyone should be free to seek their own desires without hindrance from anyone else. It's how the system works.
free at last. Here we are in the world we have made, free at last. Individual desire untrammeled, without God or common end. Our lives turned inward to the devices and desires of our own hearts. In this world, we are good at diversity. Consider the recent pastoral statement of the Anglican Diocese of Toronto. A pastoral commitment, it is called, to diverse theological positions. Freedom to believe, with respect to marriage in particular, whatever I want. To seek what I want. To live in the way I choose. The individual and my desire at the heart of all things. The church not as communion, but as an association of sovereign individuals. This is the culture of capitalism. It is the free market takeover of the church. But where in this is the heart that clings to God, that clings to him with the heart, as Luther says, so that the heart knows no other comfort or confidence than in him and does not suffer to be torn from him, but for him risks and disregards everything on earth. Everything on earth. The heart that is not its own, that by some miracle of grace longs not for its own devices and desires, but for God. The heart that Augustine discovered and announces with joy on the very first page of his confessions. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The heart that is not free, that is enthralled by God. Pavlos Vulos, Christu Jesu, Paul says at the beginning of Romans, Paul the slave of Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the Christ, Paul is his slave. That is who he is. Paul does not, cannot, stand alone, and this is his joy and his song. Paul's good news is that he is not free. He is not sovereign, even and especially over his own heart and soul and mind and desire. He is bound always and forever to Jesus, who loved him and gave himself for him. Or to me, to live is Christ, Paul says, and to die is gain. Diversity, this free market of the sovereign individual, is pretty thin stuff. It offers us tolerance, individuals getting along together for the satisfaction of each individual's wants. Jesus, though, Jesus offers us love. A new commandment I give to you, 
love one another as I have loved you. See what a love it is, this love of the Lord. For Jesus comes to us here where we are, slaves to our own desires, turned by our own will and beyond the power of our own will in upon ourselves, forsaking each other in the desires of our hearts, in the desires of our hearts, God forsaking. Here, Jesus comes to us. Here, he stands in our midst and reaches out his hands in love to us. And when we do not come to him, when we turn upon him and upon each other instead, he gives himself for us. It is necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and to be killed and after three days to rise. Three times Jesus has said it, this passion prediction, before the scribe asks his question in Mark's gospel today. It is necessary for the Son of Man to suffer and die. Why is it necessary? Because we turn away from Eden to this day, and when God turns to us in love, in the child of his own heart, we do not turn to him. Jesus Christ crucified is the God-forsakenness of our lives. Jesus Christ crucified is our God-forsakenness lifted up in his outstretched arms into the love of God. Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Paul said, Christ died for us. Paul cannot get over it. Eti ga Christos, eti. Still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is not God of the dead, but of the living. We are quite wrong in the telos free market of our hearts. There is a resurrection. There is a heart that may be turned to God again. There is a new life. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. I live no longer. The life I now live in the flesh, I live in faith in the Son of God. I live no longer, but Christ lives in me. Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. It was, Professor Dempson has said, perhaps Luther's favorite verse. It is our hope. St. Paul preaches the true liturgy, Luther says, and makes all his Christians priests, so that they may offer not money or cattle as priests do in the law, but their own bodies putting their desires to death. My body, an offering to God by the grace of God in Christ. My life, no longer my own, but his, and in him, my neighbor's. My life, an offering to God and to my neighbor, 
from a heart seized and pierced and radiant, a heart enthralled by the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.